if you remember in the past in the past whenever the u.s met with africa either an individual african countries or africa as a collective the the, the the tone of the conversation would be like what can the u.s do for africa but in washington last week the conversation was what can the u.s do with africa some will go further and say actually it is moving towards a point where the u.s will even ask what can africa do for the u.s which really just shows that it's not about the historical legacy of thinking about poverty and humanitarian aid here and there, thinking about rapid responses here and there to sort out this or that conflict, but it's more now about trade, it's about investment, it's about business-to-business relationships, and indeed it is about two-way trade and investment, not even one-way trade and investment. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you'll be encouraged to know, or your listeners will be encouraged to actually know that FASOL is the single largest foreign direct investor in the United States because of its activities. So it's not just a question of American companies coming to invest in Africa, but it's also about African companies taking advantage of the U.S. economy and bringing in their technologies, which is what SASOL is doing. SASOL has technology that the U.S. doesn't have. And the U.S. has welcomed that. They have projects in Louisiana, and they're, they're very much uh, based on the superior world-class technology that we have in South Africa, which the U.S. hasn't got. I think the U.S. wanted to be in control of who comes. If they went via the AU, they would not have had a chance to exclude some of the leaders that they, they ended up excluding, such as the president of Zimbabwe as well as the president of Sudan and other leaders that uh, they're not comfortable with. I think in events like these, uh, the, the U.S. or the hosting nation uses that as well as, as an opportunity to send a message uh, about its foreign policy and about uh, its view on different countries. So it was also some kind of feedback to different African countries in terms of whether they are viewed as being in good standing with Washington or not. And that obviously has consequences. Those that were not viewed as being in good standing, they they were excluded and uh, those that were viewed as being in good standing were actually included which i think was a good sign and the, the, the encouraging things akina that we should all be proud of from an african perspective is that the majority of african countries now live under democratically elected governments which are viewed by most of the world as being uh, very sound and based on the broad will of the people. Not, that doesn't mean that democracies are perfect in Africa, but I think the, the trend has been a positive one. It's been a trend in towards the right direction. Not as far as I, I see it. And I think the U.S. has moved uh, quite far ahead in terms of engaging with Africa as an equal and engaging with Africa from a position of uh, mutual respect, if I may say. And uh, I think African countries are also matured in their own right that they will not fall for divide and rule uh, tactics of this or that superpower. And I think what we saw in Washington last week was African countries being much more assertive, much more confident, much more focused, and really wanting to get on with the business of growing their economies, creating jobs, alleviating poverty, and creating an environment that are attractive, that, uh, that are conducive rather, that are conducive to the attraction and retention of uh, foreign direct investment, as well as also generating more local investment.